0: BetOnline is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. BetOnline continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use promo code BLEAV for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. What's up, H-Town? Welcome to the Believe in Astros podcast, your home for all things Astros. With your hosts, sports writer Jeff Balky, and Astros broadcaster and former third baseman Jeff Blob. Now, here's Balky and Blobber. What is up, Astros fans? Welcome to episode eighty-six of the Believe in Astros podcast on the Believe Podcasting Network. I'm Jeff Balky, alongside my partner Jeff Blum. Like the rest of us, just trying to avoid the heat. Um, Blummer, how are you doing this morning?
1: I'm good. A little tired, but I'm good.
0: I feel you. Exciting game last night. Uh, obviously, Astros uh, coming back against the Red Sox and kind of wiping them out. And we we got some more um, incredible. Hey, <laughs> Ma. <laughs> and Chaz <laughs> with a couple of bombs. Um, the meatloaf is strong by the way that's a that's that's a call that should live in infamy quite honestly. I,
1: I appreciate that. yeah you know, I had to I've had to let people know where it came from though. there's still some people out there curious.
0: I did see that and and <clears throat> I mean look for for me and obviously for you, it's surprising that anyone would not know about wedding crashers and not no, no. know about Chaz. The, uh, the legend of crashing weddings, <laughs> who in the end decided to start crashing funerals. Look, I went to that at the theater. The weekend it opened. Uh, I went by myself. And uh, there was a guy sitting next to me with his girlfriend, and his girlfriend did not laugh at anything. She was like, com- found it, <laughs> none of it funny at all. So the whole time, uh-huh. he and I are like elbowing each other and like dying laughing. And I kid you not, when Will Ferrell walked out, at that moment, the entire audience stood up and clapped. It was like a standing ovation in the theater. I'd never seen that before. That he wow. comes down and he's like, you don't even know. almost nunchucked you. I was like, it's just <laughs> amazing. So, yeah. So If you haven't watched Wedding Crashers, strongly urge you, go back and watch. Because then you'll know where the meatloaf comes from. Yep. And why Chaz would want it. Uh, you can find us on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, and of course on YouTube. Give us a follow on X now i uh, will call it by its real name, uh, and Instagram <laughs> at Believe in Astros. Find me at Jeff Balky Blumer at blummer twenty seven. Pretty much everywhere out there, and you can subscribe to our YouTube channel and be alerted to new videos. Thanks for everyone who's given us five stars on Apple. Obviously, send us your comments and questions. Like, is the starting pitching broken?
1: <laughs> um, mm-hmm.
0: We're gonna we'll, we'll talk about that some today because. It's been a little scary lately. Um, got some stats uh, to go with that. First of all, we should just go right off the bat mention Jose Altuve's 2010. It was just such an amazing moment. Um, you know, if you've been an Astros fan for as long as I have, uh, if you've watched the team and played, obviously, as long as you have, that's just an incredible accomplishment for anyone, only the third Astro to ever do that. And, uh, you know, just a really and, – and how ironic was it that his – It was very similar to Biggio's 2000, where he actually tried to leg out a double and didn't quite get there. It was uh, pretty poetic. Um, What was it like being at the game, Blummer?
1: Well, the game itself was awful, but the one shining bright spot was Jose Altuve and the anticipation of getting that hit. I'm actually glad that he did it. Uh, at home because he was on a stretch going into Miami where he was getting two three hits a game and you just assumed that he was going to be able to accomplish it in Miami but a little bit of an injury and then a cold spurt Mm -hmm. allowed him to do it at home so I was pretty happy about that but it was pretty amazing to watch him uh, go out there and hit a ball into the corner which usually is a double and I think he anticipated (laughs) or maybe took for granted that it would be a double right and uh Uh, Marlow out there made a good play on it, threw it back in, and you could kind of see the the disappointment as Altuve slid into second base, realizing that he got uh, thrown out at second. But at the same time, it doesn't take away from the accomplishment. He's one of the fastest players to 2,000 hits, 200 home runs, and 200 stolen bases. He beat out Willie Mays as far as games played to get to that number. So it kind of puts things in perspective on how good this dude is. And, you know, it took him seven years to get – a thousand hits, will it take him seven more? And will he be around long enough to do that? That's the question because we all knew he was going to get 2,000. Now it's just how many more is he going to get?
0: Yeah. And the guy is so consistent as a hitter. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he, and he's the type of guy who we've, I think we've discussed this before. He's the type of guy who's going to probably keep hitting. You know, it's not like uh, he's not the type of guy who needs. Power to hit um, no. And he doesn't really even need the speed That he has, I mean he doesn't leg, He's not like Ichiro, legging out A, a million infield hits um, although I will say, kids, if you don't know who Willie Mays is, shame on you, A. And B, please look it up on Wikipedia just so you if can If you don't understand. know
1: who Willie Mays and Chaz Reinhold are, you've got some issues.
0: <laughs> yeah, especially Chaz Reinhold. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't know who Chaz Reinhold is, I mean, <laughs> that's pretty good. Um, okay, so before we dig into starting pitching, I just want to update if you hadn't seen, I'm sure everyone's seen, that Michael Brantley is back playing at AAA A. Um Blumber, I wanted to ask you about this because we we make the assumption here that Brantley could be back up in the majors here in another week or so. That gets him here right about the beginning of September. <clears throat> we had talked about this before. How? What kind of time does a player need to really ramp up? uh Because he's only going to have a month um, before before we hit the postseason. Is that enough? And and what what do we need? What do the Astros need to see from him to make sure that he has it can be in the lineup
1: well as it stands on that second rehab stint he's on i believe he's four for his last 11 so he's gotten 11 at bats and he's kind of doing the every other day thing and i think that they're yeah. planning on trying to get him to play back-to-back days just to see how the body responds see if that shoulder responds and that's all that really is is a test to see if he can go back-to-back games now when he gets to the show because i do believe like you said he's going to be up here maybe in the next week or two mm-hmm Um, is I don't think he's going to be that everyday guy. I think that he is going to be that every other day guy because there's such a battle for who's going to get the DH spots. But now that you've found Yiner a spot at first base, potentially um, down the stretch, you know, that gets him some at-bats. But, uh, you know, Jose Abreu is going to be healthy and coming back. What do you do then? So there's going to be a bit of a logjam in this lineup trying to get the appropriate guys out there. And that's going to put a lot of pressure on Dusty to get the right matchups and get the right mix in the lineups. But that being said, You know, I think when Michael comes back, it could be an every other day thing. Um, I anticipate he won't go right back into that two hole for me. He'd go right back into that six or seven hole and just start Mm -hmm. driving in runs, which would be a lot of fun. But to your point, you know, down the stretch, if he could get at least 50 to 60 at bats, which, you know, uh, what is that, 15 games, 20 yeah. games almost? About like If that, he could yeah. get 15 to 20 games in, I think that that would really benefit <laughs> him and make him a valuable piece in the playoffs when the Astros get there.
0: Yeah, it, it, I, I don't know. You know, I, obviously, I didn't play the game like you did, so it's hard to tell, but it, it does seem to me, especially he's a little bit older. You know, guy needs a little time to adjust um, just to what's going to happen. I, it's funny that you mentioned Yiner. Um, he had some good picks at first. Um, he's clearly mm-hmm. a good athlete. Obviously, he's. I like the the uh, discussion of his glove last night during the game of how he's <laughs> uh, switched over to the black glove now. I I always loved first baseman's gloves for some reason. I just thought they were kind of cool looking. Um, but uh, he's been good at first. You know, he's not spectacular, but I don't think anybody's expected. has been expecting. good enough. He's been good enough, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And that's enough to get him in, especially with Abreu still out.
1: Yeah, it, 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 you've got to remember, and I said this on the broadcast yesterday, this is a primary catcher. This guy has been born and bred catching, throwing on the gear. He's not a first baseman, and learning first base at the big league level is very tough, having done it. Yeah, there's a insane. lot of responsibility over there that you don't anticipate where to go on cutoffs. Uh, you're, you're sprinting to first base on every single ground ball. Uh, pickoff plays aren't as easy as they look, and he's doing it in a pennant race. So I give him a lot of credit for just having and the, you know, basically the, you know, the, the cojones to go out there yes. and just throw himself into harm's way and trying to get that bat in there. But he's done it to himself because the stick is so good. I mean, he's unbelievable. He and Chaz are going to end up with 20 plus home runs. And that was remarkable. If you'd have said that to me in March, April, I wouldn't have believed you. I'd have said, man, I don't know how they're going to get in there and get those at bats. But they've done it and they produced. And to Yiner's credit, he's forced his way into that lineup.
0: Yeah, think about that for a second. Think about the fact that Yiner Diaz and Chaz McCormick are probably going to have 20 home runs each,
1: right? 50-plus um, mm-hmm. RBIs each. Chaz yeah, is going to be up over 60 easy.
0: No one... No one would have predicted that at the beginning of the year. Nobody. Not a single person. There's not. If you had, then you should bet on the lottery immediately. Um, mm-hmm. Take every penny you have and sink it into a guess because you'll probably win. I mean, let's talk about Chaz a minute. Like another two home runs last night. The guy is like, you know. He's he is as good against lefties as, as Yiner is bad against lefties, probably. Um, <laughs> but uh, the thing about Chaz is he looks now so confident at the plate, he gets up there, he's he's a guy that. I think had been a little bit of a free swinger, but he looks like he's more careful in selecting his pitches now. He just looks like he's matured as a baseball player over the course of this year. And obviously a guy that we didn't know was going to be the starting center fielder at the beginning of the year. No one was really sure. Everybody was thinking about where are we going to find our center fielder from? Well, I think you found him.
1: Yeah, I think he did too. And I know that Dusty's done a good job of mixing, you know, Jake in there too. Yeah, uh, I kind of like the the outfield arrangement last night for Christian Javier was great as far as athleticism and yes. range and ability to cover ground with Chaz in left, Myers in center, and then yes. Tucker back in that lineup. So uh, if you can have a defensive alignment like that, that's going to track the ball down, that's highly appealing. But at the same time, you know, Chaz, again, much like Yiner has swung himself into that center field job. He, he has produced, he has caught the ball he has done everything right and he's actually done a pretty good job of holding runners to you know not letting them gain 90 feet because that's really been an issue for Jake Myers is controlling the running game out there in center field Um, but you know Chaz has been fantastic and you're right about the maturity hearing some of the conversations and interviews he's doing he's making the appropriate adjustments and that's what I like to hear because if that he's already got the athleticism and the ability but when that mind starts working working in the right way in the right way unlike my can right now um he he's going to be better but he's making those in-game adjustments he did against paxton and ended up shooting him into the crawford boxes that was beautiful
0: yeah and he's pulling the ball more um that's Mm -hmm. something you know Chaz is the opposite field home run guy uh you know kind of always has been but now he's been pulling the ball almost as much this year as he's been hitting the ball to right and that just to me i mean i don't know it, it, it seems to me like he's just seeing the ball better And that just, you know, it just makes for everything easier for him. Um, Since you mentioned center field, somebody asked me this question the other day and I I wanted to bring it up to you. And I, because I thought it was interesting. Why is it that Justin Verlander wants Mauricio Dupont in center field? What is there like? Is there? I mean, I know some people are just quirky, you know, pitching and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. what is it that – put like, what do people put into that decision where they're like, listen, I need my guy in center field and my guy is Mauricio dubon
1: <laughs> I don't know. It's Justin Verlander <laughs> saying, I want this guy. And you go, yes, sir. <laughs> and you put him out there. I don't know. Right. Uh, I don't know. I, I, you know, maybe, you know, it would probably be – Beneficial. I mean, you could have the same outfield alignment that you had for Christian Javier, just put Dubon in center field instead of Jake Myers and maintain right. some of that, uh, maintain at least some of that offensive integrity by keeping Chaz in that lineup uh, might be an option and then keep Jordan in that DH role and have Yiner at first base because he's such a fly ball pitcher. You know, that could be the arrangement. But at the same time, I'm not sure. You know, I know as a for pitchers being able to look in, seeing a target that looks good to them, uh, working well with the signs and the pitches that are given. You know, obviously that makes sense with the catcher. Yeah, but I you know, this is the first I've heard of actually having, a center fielder uh, behind you that makes you feel comfortable. So he he loves Mauricio Dubon, and if it takes Mauricio Dubon being in center field to have Justin uh, be comfortable and pitch well, psh, let's go out and do it because Mauricio's uh, Mauricio is going to play you a decent center field. Yeah, I don't think he's as good as Chas McCormick or maybe a Jake Myers out there, but at the same time, you know, he's still a decent stick.
0: Yeah, and and I I kind of wonder too if maybe Verlander feels better about him because he thinks he sees something, like if he sees a tipping pitch or, or something it like that. could be the
1: arm, too, now that I think about it. You know, Mauricio's got a very good arm, for surprisingly, for yeah. an infielder playing in the outfield.
0: Yeah, he really does. So maybe that's part of it, too. Um, so the Astros get – just I want to dig into some – this series against Seattle. Um, what, a, what a disaster of <laughs> a weekend. I mean, you know yeah, – I think Maldi
1: into- was polite in saying it was a slap in the face because I would have called it a straight, you know, gut punch or a punch to the jaw.
0: I can think of some more vulgar terms as well, but mm-hmm. and I probably have used them over the course of this weekend. <laughs> um, I, I can tell you that it, it's just it's so incredibly disappointing when really the Astros had an opportunity to kind of bury Seattle. They had an opportunity to really extend their lead over them, get some safe distance between them and the wild card spot, so they didn't even have to think about that. They could just focus on the Rangers, who, by the way, lost again last night. Now, all these teams are within two games of one another. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I mean, while that'll probably make for an exciting down the stretch run, um, it, it, you know, it's weird to me that, um, you have a team that goes out there and just lays an egg against Seattle. I mean, granted, props to Seattle for being good. Um, mm-hmm. but, you know, and then they have this team, Lumber, do team meetings work? I mean, like everybody talks about these team meetings. I'm sure you've been in team meetings before. I can tell you this. Every time somebody likes has, let's have a team meeting. I'm always like, oh, Jesus, really? Do we have to? <laughs> so, I mean, <laughs> yeah. what, what do we take away from this weekend from the the sweep and the, and the quote unquote team meeting and the slap in the face? What, I mean, what can we take away from all that?
1: Well, I mean, for, for one game, it's worked. You know? well, <laughs> so fair. you've got to appreciate that. But at <laughs> the same fair. time, uh, you know, I, this hasn't been a team in the past where you've had to have the team meeting. And I think that's what's interesting about it. But Maldi felt the urge. He's, you know, obviously a leader inside that clubhouse mm-hmm. and felt the uh, need to go out there and, and do that. Uh, you know it was a combination of things over the weekend against seattle where seattle is playing the baseball that i think seattle expected to be playing all season long yeah is the offense showed up julio rodriguez was on an absolute uh tear Mm -hmm. and then you had the pitching back it up so that's that's who the seattle mariners anticipated being good pitching great hitting and winning ball games and then at the same time timing is everything so you catch seattle on a heater and then you catch the astros just being completely flat i think the the ultimate dog day showed up for Three days because what I saw was a lethargic team. Yeah. Uh, and they, what got me was some of the mental mistakes that were being made. And it, it just shocked me. And I think that's probably what shocked Martin Maldonado too. And kind of felt like he needed to snap these guys back because these guys are way too good to be losing that badly to the Seattle Mariners, even though they've owned them this season. But at the same time, there's still plenty. There's not plenty of season left, but there's still season left to go out there and do it. But the way these Mariners are playing, you've got to take care of your own business uh, right now.
0: Yeah, you absolutely do. And I, somebody posted this on Twitter. I'm, I'm I'm sorry for whoever it was that I'm going to fail to remember their name on but X man on. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Dude, it's like when they changed the the oh. disabled list to the injured list.
0: Oh yeah. I they're kept saying the DL you know, DL
1: i finally have become accustomed to the IL, but it's like Twitter come on, X. It's, well, it's like the X? guardians,
0: you know, yeah. or the commanders in football. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, come I, on. Yeah,
1: I butcher the Indian guardian thing all the time.
0: I still actually but call I just, the I still accidentally call the wizards the bullets sometimes. That's yeah, a stupid. You that know. makes sense.
1: I mean, yeah. come on. I just like asking people if they're on X. <laughs> That is being a nineties kid.
0: That is exactly being a very nineties. It's like, Hey man, uh, are you on X? I
1: I usually ask it around three or four in the morning though.
0: That's exactly right. And if the person's really thirsty, then you know what the answer is. Um, so, so, so digging into, not that I know anything about any of this. Um, so I've heard. Yeah. Digging exact. What was that uh, line from, uh, uh, from spinal tap, you know, the, the, where he says, uh, the bigger the cushion, the deeper the pushing, or so I have read. <laughs> yes, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, So, uh, I want to talk a little bit about this starting pitching. There was a, there was a, some stats that in the Chronicle the other day. I actually pulled them and used them in 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 my story in the Houston Press that came out this morning. So, Framber Valdez has a 6.18 ERA and seven outings since the All Star break. Um, Seattle got him for six That's runs. That's with
1: a no-hitter in it.
0: It's w- including the no-hitter, correct. Mm-hmm. In three starts since his no-hitter, he's allowed 16 runs in 19 and two-thirds innings. Javier, who started yesterday and was okay, has a set but struggled mightily to get through it. He has a 7.56 ERA leading up till then in his last seven starts. Justin Verlander's at 4.5 in his three starts since joining the Astros. The Astros starters have compiled a 3.58 ERA, the third lowest in the majors, through June. They entered Sunday with a 4.67 ERA since July 1st, the 10th highest in baseball. And that preceded Hunter Brown allowing six runs over two and two-thirds innings. I mean, it's been... We've said this. Who thought that their best pitcher at this point in the season would be freaking Ty Frank? I mean... mm. (coughs) <laughs> Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Ron Fringman. Edit, edit, uh, yeah. <laughs> JP Friends. So, listen, this team, look, if, if everybody, everybody, we always just relied on the starting pitching. It was just a given that they were going to be good. You know, we co- sometimes wonder about the bullpen. You know, they get taxed, although they've been still very good. Hector Naris has been great. Uh, Graveman's been great. You know, they've had Dude, some great Brian pitching. Ryan Yeah, brayu has been great. Like, they've had great pitching in the, from the bullpen. But when you can't pitch starting and you can't really hit, you know, we, we you look at the mm-hmm. Astros—they're like fourth in total runs, but a bunch of those are like 11, 12, 13 game, you know, uh, uh, run games, followed by like one, zero, two. Hmm. Are we concerned about the starting pitching getting into the postseason at this point? I think it should be. Yeah, I mean, um, I. It's, I, it's just frustrating.
1: I feel I feel for the offense because if you're on the offensive side, and especially you really yeah. want to uh, yeah. see some frightening numbers, go look at the offense at home in comparison to what opposing teams are doing. It's it's a vast vast difference between what the Astros are doing at home and what they're doing on the road. They, I mean, they would almost be better playing you know every postseason game on the road the way they've been going. I know that shifts a little bit in the postseason mm-hmm. because the crowd kind of comes into play a little bit. Yeah. But It's been amazing. But I feel for the offense, no, not knowing, but the anticipation of, man, I hope these guys can shut it down in the first couple of innings and give us some breathing room and let us go work instead of going, oh my gosh. How, when you come in off defense on at a home game and you just look around, and you're like, how many runs do we need to get instead of saying, hey, let's settle in and see what we can do? That's a tough gig, right there, is knowing that you have a four. You're giving the other team a four-run handicap. Some of these games, and you've got to fight the entire game. It's that makes games really tough for the offense.
0: And that's been a, a, a big-time thing too. Is where you know you start in a hole. You know these guys give mm-hmm. up you know four or five runs early on, and then you're just trying to claw your way back. Um, and so then, of course, you're going to press a little bit. I'm guessing you know you're going to try to get hits when you probably don't need to. Uh, try to get hits. Um, well, if the, it, pitch, if the if
1: the if <laughs> the opposing pitcher is on, yeah. and and you figure that out, you're like, yeah. damn, this guy's drilling us and making his pitches. You're like, oh my gosh, how are we going to do this? And all of a sudden, you do kind of get in that mode of just like, man, I I don't know what we're going to do.
0: It feels like this season has just been um, kind of like a it's just and not a roller coaster. It just feels off balance. It feels like ne- nothing has ever quite been in balance. Starters have been good. Bullpen's been bad. Hitting hasn't been good. You know, it's like there's just been this up and down. And the bullpen's getting taxed. Lots of people throwing lots of innings. Mm-hmm. It just feels like an awkward season. You know, somebody And somebody said the other day, again, they said, you know, the Astros are operating. And maybe this is part of the team meeting. It seems like they're operating a bit like this is last year. But last year, they were 10 games up. <laughs> in the division,
1: yeah, they're kind of coasting, like they've got a huge lead, but they don't. Yeah, they're, and they play with a little more urgency, maybe. Well, what has
0: it been? I mean, it, I mean, when's the last time they were in an actual race? It was like 2015, maybe. Well, I guess a couple I say COVID 15, seasons.
1: 16, maybe. Yeah, maybe the COVID you know.
0: season, but that doesn't really, you know. That's I try to kind of weed that one out in general. But yeah, maybe 2015, 2016, somewhere in there, where that's the last time they've really had a challenge. And maybe they're so used to it that they're just kinda like, eh, we're gonna roll on in and but you can't do that. Not in not in pro sports, man. What what is your uh you know, your favorite line is like
1: This game will this game will try and kill you. That's
0: right. <laughs> and I mean, you can't you can't get out there and mess around. Uh and and I granted, this is a team full of veterans and you know, mature guys, but uh, it definitely feels like there's been some coasting going on.
1: I hate to yeah, say it. but at the same yeah it, I mean it <laughs> If they've coasted and they're a game and a half back now it's just crazy to think about and it ha- you know it's it's a different in the sense of because every time we got to september in the last six years it was what's the magic number and it was usually right. in the teens and uh we would just sit there waiting and anticipating when that celebration was going to be but this year's a little bit different and maybe that's what they need to recognize is that they do have an opportunity to win the west again because mm-hmm. texas is faltering right now but at the same time they have to go out and earn it as opposed to to when they earned it in April, May, June, July of the of previous years, this year is a little bit different, and uh, obviously they have another month to lock it down. And I think I saw a number uh, records over the last couple of years, and the worst record they had in the last since 2017 from. Uh, August twenty first on was twenty three and seventeen. If they're able to do that, yeah. they'll end up with ninety three wins, which should be enough to put them into the postseason. But again, it's not a, not what we're accustomed to when we're seeing the high nineties to one hundred win seasons.
0: Right, and and especially given the fact that they've done it seemingly so easily. I mean, this is the first year where, easily, we've, really, where yes. we've seen the Astros like again, not counting the COVID year. But this is the first year in a while we've seen the Astros. There's they struggled. You know, there's, there's, Mm -hmm. you can see that struggle. It's not, nothing has come easily for them this year. And look, the injuries have certainly played a role in that, but they're pretty much healthy now, uh, you know, save the guys who are out for the season. Um, So they can't, there's no excuses at this point for anything like that. They're just going to have to go through and figure it out. Um, And it's not going to get any easier. I will say the AL helps them because unlike the NL, where my goodness, we got some good teams in the NL. Good grief! Dude, yeah, um, in the AL, nobody's running away with the AL,
1: right? Um, well, I don't. Have you looked at Fangraphs and some of the playoff percentages and things like that? It's still the Astros. They're still the yes. the, the the top of the American League as far as playoff percentages, World Series chances. Yeah. It, it's amazing that that kind of speaks to your point. We're talking about a team that we're concerned about, yet <laughs> everybody outside of Houston is just saying they're the better team.
0: Well, we set such a high. I mean, they have such a set oh, such yeah. a high standard. We are
1: spoiled.
0: We are super spoiled. It's so funny to be like be like, oh, you know, it's like what was the line I, years ago from Friends where he was like, uh, he goes, "My wallet's too small for all my fifties, and my diamond shoes are too tight." You know, it's like that's basically. <laughs> it's basically we have spent so much time with this incredible team. Um, mm-hmm. that, you know, we, you get to the point where you're like, well, obviously they should be winning every single game. And I mean, it puts a lot of pressure on, I will say there, there have been some things this year that have felt unastro like the sort of lack of consistency in the lineup where guys getting moved around a little bit. I think that's been kind of awkward. There hasn't been that, like there hasn't been that sort of energy from the team. I think on a consistent basis, like there may have been in, in previous seasons, So Mm -hmm. there's been a few things, but overall, this team is still really, really good. Um, They can beat anybody anytime. Um, So I don't think we should just set that aside. I just think that it's, you know, (laughs) we're sitting around. There is some nitpicking going on for sure.
1: Oh, yeah. Big time. But I I do think that, you know, Fromber and Christian Javier are the two question marks for me. I need them to figure it out. Um, And, you know, for Justin Verlander, I think one thing we need to remember is is that he's such a workhorse and his workload in the past. uh, You know, he's a September type pitcher. I know he's had his issues in the World Series, but between Mm -hmm. September and game one of the world series Mm -hmm. this dude has has finished season strong Mm -hmm. and he had that first month month and a half of the season off so he's kind (laughs) of his scheduling is kind of off a little bit it's kind of been pushed back so I'm kind of curious to see what happens when that calendar does turn to September the intensity ramps up a little bit and he becomes stronger he's that's what makes Justin Verlander (laughs) unique for me is that he gets stronger with the more pitches that he throws and that's kind of what I'm anticipating for Justin is maybe that strong September when he starts to get his legs under him.
0: Yeah, if the playoffs started today and the Astros were playing in the first round, I mean, who are your four starting pitchers?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, luckily the way things are going, you'd have a couple of compressed series with the wild card and the division series, so you wouldn't have to have that fourth starter. Yeah, you just need three. But
0: But who's the three?
1: um, Well that's the th- JP France is might be my two. You know that's where, that's where I think things get Fair. interesting. You go Verlander, JP France and then you kind of patch it together in that third game. But uh, remember it uh, the Kansas City Royals during their run in the you yeah. know 13 14 15 when yeah. they I think they won the you know they win the World Series in 15 but they their mentality was we're going to shorten the game with our bullpen and to be honest I feel like that's kind of what you know, you know, you might be toying with the idea of doing that for the Astros as good as their bullpen's been. And with some of the days off that you get and the scheduling yeah. in the postseason, you may just shorten the game and say, hey, uh, Hunter, give me five innings. Javi, give me five innings. Keep us in the game. And if your offense takes any kind of a lead, boom, in that sixth inning, you start plowing through that uh, bullpen.
0: Yeah, that's actually not a bad idea, especially given the fact that they will put some starters into the bullpen. Um, when this season when this season comes to an end, there are going to be guys who are starters who are going to be in the pen. Um, there are going to be I look. They have guys in in the bullpen, and they have some guys down. Like Seth Martinez just came up. Um, you know he couldn't. Matons on the injured list, right? He couldn't. I mean Martinez couldn't find the strike zone last night, but um, who could. You, Jeez, he, I know, right? Exactly. <laughs> um, but uh, but I think yeah, you've got guys that are going to be coming back either from injury or coming up. I mean, we haven't seen Ronel Blanco in a while, but there's no reason why you wouldn't think about having a guy like that later in the season, especially September call-ups, a guy you can help give some relief to the bullpen. And if he catches fire, you might see him. So and there's a lot of guys out there who, you know, they're going to be able to rely on. Their pitching depth is ridiculous. Um, so it does that's a really good point, Blummer. I I wouldn't put it past him to do that. I don't know if the Astros as an organization are that way but it sure would behoove them to check to think about
1: it well hunter brown what if you had hunter brown for two innings he did it what where yeah. is it miami yeah that's right. You know, and he has the experience in the bullpen in the postseason. But if you can come in and instead of having him trying to massage his way through five or six innings, what yeah. if you just had him go out there and just blow it out in two innings, you know, he's yeah. pumping 97 with a 93 mile an hour slider. Maybe that, you know, maybe you find a pocket that way. And uh, he faces a lineup one time instead of two times.
0: Yeah. And that, I think there's the key right there. How many times do they get through an end a single lineup? If you can allow guys to just get through the lineup once um, you know, in a relief stint, then maybe that's what you do. You know, mm-hmm. maybe that's what you get. That's a good option, Blummer. And I hope they, they consider that. A um, couple things before we go first, I want to mention, there was a funny, I saw this on TikTok. I saw both of these on TikTok, which there's i I've been, there's a lot of baseball TikTok out there. That's pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. And um, the first one was Oakland. So obviously we've talked about what a mess this is and how they're going to, but I didn't realize just how bad they had been this year. They have the lowest batting average, the lowest slugging percentage, the fewest hits, the fewest runs. They give up the most runs. They have the worst defense. And this is the crazy one. They are on pace to finish the year with a run differential that is (laughs) negative (laughs) 391. I mean, that is 41 41 runs worse than the worst ever run differential. I mean – you have got to, and and of course the owners are probably thrilled that this is happening because they're just they don't care they just want to, but give it to the fans. Mm-hmm. They have they have done everything. They I, I don't know if you saw this, but they had a second reverse protest night, and mm-hmm. the A's jacked up the prices of tickets.
1: Like I mean, they are just punking each other, I man. Mean, that is just it's terrible.
0: So, so they went anyway. Thirty seven thousand fans at that game, all wearing sell t shirts yeah chanting sell the team the kids who run the bases chant sell the team which is amazing they have a big thing in the <laughs> parking pairing. lot that has pictures of the owner on it that people can are, can come out and throw rotten tomatoes at before the game
1: of oh course my. they hold
0: up the most creative damn signs you know during mm-hmm. the game this is a look i don't want the a's to leave they probably will but man i got to tell you i'm really enjoying the chaos Uh, It is fun to watch fans fight back.
1: No, it is. And that, that's a very passionate fan base. And I, you know, this, this generation of fan should, should go back and do some history work on the Oakland organization. It's a historic franchise. Yes. You know, during the seventies, they were the team to beat in the American league. And, you know, through the nineties, they had the bash. I mean, there is a lot of Ricky yeah. Henderson, uh, you know, there, Blue there has been, back in the
0: day. I mean, there's been there, some amazing. Yeah, yeah.
1: There's been some fantastic ballplayers that have gone through Oakland. And then you go and in, dig into the city and the the amount of ballplayers that the city has produced yes. in some of their little league and and high school and college teams. Yep. I mean, it is amazing what that, that the history of baseball in that area yeah. has produced. And I obviously have an affinity for that area, having gone to school up there yeah. and watched a lot of games as a fan in Oakland before that that damn Davis, you know, Mount Davis mm-hmm. out there that Al Davis mm-hmm. built and completely yeah. ruined uh, any sight line out there. But uh, it's a passionate fan base. I feel for them, and I, you know, moving out of there is going to be it's it's going to be tough because that mm-hmm. that is one of those old school fan bases that really had a passion for the game, and they're going to be missing out because their owners being a prick.
0: Yeah, it's hard to imagine that the that Oakland's going to lose both the Raiders and the A's. I mean, you're talking mm-hmm. about fan bases that are. I mean, it's like the Cleveland Browns fan base, you know, or any of those. I mean, it's like, you know, or the Oilers B's, or the Oilers or it's like, honestly, it's I like, ha-
1: I hate these franchises moving. I don't know if I'm old school or sentimental mm-hmm. traditionalist, whatever you want to call it. But I mean, you know, the, the Colts, the Browns, the mm-hmm. Oilers, the A's that, you know, even the Expos. I mean, it, oh, yeah. it, it pains me. I, I don't like seeing it.
0: Yeah, and and I, there well the, the the Sonics are one that just kills me because it Ooh. was such a it was such a brutal move. I agree move on that one big where time. They they pretended that everything was fine, and then Howard Schultz sold the team to Oklahoma. Just you know, it just there's so many. things. There was a great documentary out about another
1: that. legendary franchise too. By the way,
0: yeah, and they're going to get a new. They're going to get another team. I don't think it's they any have person.
1: to. That that Seattle is such a good city for sports yeah. and everything yes. else. Oh man,
0: basketball is going to expand, and they're going to go there. But it, it just whenever these things happen and look as someone who is involved in attempting to you know to keep the rockets here when there was thought that they would leave i can tell you that um, one of the struggles that fans have is the you know that they're fans so they're not nobody's nobody should be asking them to go out and do anything right other mm-hmm. than show up to the games and cheer buy a ticket buy a jersey whatever right? Nobody should be asking anything of them. And yet when these things come up, stadium issues or whatever else, the fans are always like, you know, you've got to do something. Well, you know what? How about the owners? They're always the pawn. Yeah. How about the owners do something? Like y'all are the billionaires. Y'all are the ones with the money and the power. You know, why don't you influence the the change? Why don't you be proactive about it? Fortunately, Mm -hmm. it feels like here we have pretty good owners in general in Houston and so we don't have to kind of worry about that too much but it is just it's frustrating to see like everybody's like well look the fans are and the fans have to do it they don't have a choice because what else are they going to do just fold up their tents and let it go um, so I that's that's a very frustrating thing last thing and I totally want to hear what you think about this because I don't know if you knew this yesterday was the anniversary of one of the dumbest games in Major League Baseball history <laughs> it was Go back. It was uh, a picture this. I don't, uh, it was 1990 and the Dodgers were playing under Tommy Lasorda. They were leading 11 to 3 in the ninth inning against the Phillies. Oh, dear God. And the Phillies scored nine runs to win the game. (laughs) And what made it is, I mean, it was just unbelievable. Like it was just an incredible thing. But also, Chris Berman. Uh, who who eventually became the ESPN nickname guy. He was on the call, and he used virtually every line from the song Hotel California as a metaphor for that game in addition. So it was already a fun sort of experiment. But then in the ninth, they scored nine runs to beat the Dodgers. Lasorda was furious. He was losing his mind. They went through, I think, four pitchers in the ninth inning. And nobody could get anybody out. They finally got the final out, and then the Dodgers couldn't do anything in the bottom line. Have you ever been part of a game that had any kind of close to that kind of crazy turnaround? Because I just can't imagine what it's like on the field.
1: Um, I'm sure I have, Mm -hmm. but I can't recall any at the time. But, you know, I do recall, I think... uh, it was Astros versus Yankees, and I'm not sure if it was 21. You know, mm-hmm. it, but the Yankees were in town and they were down by sixth. Yes, and you can almost know. feel that momentum building. You know, in, in your dugout because you're kind of in this, in this mode of we're getting our ass kicked. Mm-hmm. What are we going to do? Let's go out and just have some good at bats. Get greedy, get selfish, and say, hey, this is my at bat. We'll see what happens. I'll try and get a number if I can, and then all of a sudden you get a couple of guys on, and then boom, you know, you drive in. Tune, you're going huh. That was kind of cool. We're close. You know, we're a little bit closer now. We're through striking distance. But I think if you can if when you're down by that much and you can get the tying run to the plate, say the base is loaded and you're down by four, mm-hmm. you kind of look around, and you're going, dude, one swing of the bat, we tie this thing up, boys. And you kind of start to feel that momentum build. Now, I've been on the other side because I played in a game uh, with the San Diego Padres at Chavez Ravine against the Dodgers where they hit four, three or four straight home runs and you just kind of feel this impending doom, almost this dark fog just kind of starts rolling over the field and you feel like your hands are tied and you can't do anything about it and you start to suffocate and then all of a sudden the game's over and you've lost it. So um, it's it's terrible on the losing side, but on the, on the winning side, you win it and you kind of go back to the dugout or the locker room and you're just kind of like, dude, that that just happened. That was unfreaking believable.
0: Well, it's funny you say that because I know fans feel it. You know, you can feel it. It's the, it's the same pal- thing for the player. I, that's fascinating to hear that. It's palpable though. When when the when momentum mm-hmm. swings happen, there is a vibe, which is funny. You know, because it's it, it it's funny that when that affects a, a group. All at the same time yeah. when you can feel that like momentum shift and you can feel that you if you're in the crowd too, you really feel it. You can feel that sort of either good or bad, um, you know, like the Pujols home run that just, <laughs> it felt like Suck every
1: life out of the place.
0: It felt like every person in the, in the building just passed over. They just passed over. That was it. Mm-hmm. And they just all died, fell over. And that was it. It was just <laughs> the end of it. It was just a thirty. There's like 40,000 funerals at the end of that. It's just what it felt like. Um I remember seeing uh a I remember Tracy McGrady during the playoffs dunked over Sean Bradley. Uh and when he did it, the crowd, they were in Dallas playing the Mavericks and the crowd went like it went ooh like there was just this like mm-hmm. audible sort of like uh like somebody just hit everyone simultaneously. So it's fascinating to me that can happen. That's interesting you say the players feel it too and that it um does it does it well, you, change yeah. how you how you play at all, do you think? I mean, I guess it depends on the player, right?
1: Well, I mean, all of it you turn you turn joy into pain and then urgency and then panic. But on the the winning side, all of a sudden that energy just overwhelms you and you catch that second win and you start to just blow through it and you're just like, Man, we're gonna win this game. We're gonna find a way. You know, That's but you don't funny. find that way until you start getting base runners and realizing that you you can see the panic in the the losing team, yeah
0: can you really that's fascinating mm-hmm. that to me is a really interesting part of sports you know sports is a, obviously a skill uh you know game it's something where you have to be really really good but the fact that emotion can impact it to that level uh and that you guys feel it the way we do that's that's pretty awesome I love hearing that all right well thanks everybody for joining us Blumer. you got any final thoughts we got a couple games against the Red Sox then uh I guess you get a day off and then then we're on to the Tigers Uh, Mm -hmm. good Lord. The AL central. Woo. My Lord says a dumpster fire happening in the AL central. Um, what, what, what is, um, what are your thoughts on this coming week? What the Astros need to do? I mean, it's now it's a tight race.
1: Well, against the Red Sox, I feel like all you got to do is put the ball in play and let them throw it around a little bit. Uh, their right. defense is absolutely horrific for whatever reason, and I know that Alex Cora is doing a great, he's done a great job up to this point in the season of managing this team and trying to get them to win ball games. They're in contention for a wild yeah. card, but man, if I'm pitching on this team like James Paxton did last night, and I'm watching this defense, I'm going, "Dear Lord, we need some help." But uh, at the same time, you know, hopefully this meeting went well for the Astros and they can continue. Just remember that. As good as Chaz, Yiner, Altuve, uh, uh, Tucker have been, Alvarez hasn't been that guy yet. And if he gets hot, watch out. And if you get Brantley back, watch out.
0: Did Chaz deserve that hit? I mean, no. (laughs) Rafael Devers, he hit the ground like he had been hit with a (laughs) 150-mile-an-hour shot. It It was a 90-mile-an-hour, and he just fell to his knees.
1: If you hit a ball and the guy catches it, how is that a hit? I don't. I don't freaking understand. I don't know. I heard you having a panic attack about it. I've, I've got a conspiracy theory out there, but you know, I you know, I don't want to be. I don't want Rob Manfred calling me next.
0: Oh God! He should just call us both right now. Just get us in the principal's yeah. office. Let's have it out. <laughs> I'm mm-hmm. Done with Rob Manford.
1: <laughs> just, just for for until next time. Just think about why it would. Why Major League Baseball would want more hits. Just think about that question right there.
0: All right. I'm going to ponder that until next time. That's going to be excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, but Raphael Devers, of course, then he turns around a little bit later and throws out Jeremy Pena on like an unbelievable throw. I'm like you fell to the ground on a, on a 90 Honestly, mile an hour exit velocity. And then the you the routine make that play, play
1: you box, but you make that play? Well, let's hope they just
0: keep doing it. Come on, Red Sox! Yeah, more errors, we'll we'll love it. Thanks everybody for joining us again today. We'll be back with a fresh pod brought to you by Bet Online. Huge thanks to everybody who's watching and listening all over the place. Sweden recently, um, I don't know anything Swedish, and you know, that's a it's it's part I of our. Year. I'm like
1: happen. half Swedish, so
0: <laughs> no. So we're very thankful for all of you guys. Have a great week, and as always, go Astros.